Strangers in the Wood is an actual play series drawing elements from gothic fairy tales and 80s fantasy and sci-fi action and horror films. As such, a list of content warnings will always be made available in the description. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another very special episode of Tales Yet Told. I guess is this still Strangers in the Wood? I think I would I would say so because it's, it's in the same world. world. Yeah. yeah, I'm just trying to imagine when I title this episode, is it going to be Strangers in the Wood something, or is it going to be a different title? I don't know. Yeah. Although maybe all of the tales that we will tell are in the same world. Uh, Ooh, shh. Uh, don't spoil it. Ooh. Big, big, big <laughs> tales, <laughs> tales yet told, cinema, not cinematic. Podic- podcastic? Uh, auditory universe. <laughs> the auditory universe of tales yet told. I, f- <laughs> I feel like if we're a couple of years down the line and we find a way to tie it all together, that would be amazing. If we could do it. That would be pretty amazing, because so far with like, well, with the with the with the ideas we have for the future, it would it would get pretty wild. It would be insane for us to find a way to tie it all together. It would be crazy. But if we could find a way to do it and like have it actually be kind of good, I'm down for it. It would be brilliant. Right. Um, But yes, uh, welcome to another very special episode of... uh, Strangers in the Wood. Uh, I am your humble host and game master, Kendrick Smith. Or Kendo, if you prefer. I use he, they pronouns. And with me today is my wonderful co-host and player, Gus? (laughs) Is this this a question? Uh, Is this... No. Are you unsure? No, I'm quite sure. Okay. Hi, I'm Gus. Um, <laughs> uh, I use he, him pronouns. I, um, yeah, I'm excited to do this. We're we're about to explore uh, uh, something that we've we've like talked about doing this for a while, and like, yeah, we really have. <laughs> we have not gotten to it, but but now we're now we're doing it. Yeah, we've I'm excited. <laughs> We've scheduled this recording session like four or five times, and every time yeah. something has come up. Either I was something sick, you were up. sick, I had uh, work, you had work. Like something was always happening. Yep. But it's yep. But it's finally time. It's time um, for our listeners. If you can't tell, it's just the two of us today. 
Look at that. Yeah. Yeah. None of those other punks, you know, clogging up the uh, the airwaves or whatever. <laughs> clogging up the waveform. Yeah. Uh, it's just everyone's favorites. I don't whoa, want to say that. Whoa, That's mean. Whoa. That's mean. Hey, come on. Edit that out. I'm not going to edit it out. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's funny. It's funny. So yeah, it's just the two of us today. Uh, instead of our usual game of Babes in the Wood... Uh, we're playing a different game today as we are exploring something a little different. Still taking place in the same world as Strangers in the Wood, uh, taking place in the Sublime. We are today uh, kind of narrowing, narrowing our kind of focus on something that has happened in the past. More specifically, Walter's past. Ooh. Yeah, I think they probably could have guessed that, given that I'm here. And, uh... <laughs> okay, well, you know, I'm trying to <laughs> just trying to be a good host. Uh, but yeah, so yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, uh, today uh, we're gonna be exploring a bit of the history of Walter, more specifically, the history of Walter's transformation and his time at the Sublime School for Lost Children. Yeah, as Gus said, uh, you, you know, this is something that you and I have, you know, talked about off mic, you know, quite a bit yeah. to 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 a certain degree, trying to figure out, you know, who Walter is, where where he came from, um, what his experience was like. But I, I think to a certain degree, we've still always been kind of vague about certain things where we've just kind of left it open because we weren't quite sure how certain things worked or what certain things were like. Um, yeah, yeah, and I and I want us to use this time to be able to make more specifics uh, and uh, being able to like see that narrative play out uh, through um, through us engaging in a new game, a game that is very specifically kind of about um, transformation in a way. Um, yeah, yeah. So the game that we are playing is abnormal by uh, Avery Alder, um, wonderful game designer. Uh, I'm sure uh, uh, most people have heard of their work. Uh, you know, The Quiet Year, Dream Askew, Monster Hearts 2, God, Variations on Your Body. So so uh, amazing work. Uh, yeah. A, a wonderful game designer. Um, very thoughtful in her approach on uh, game design and like the kinds of games uh that she makes so i'm i'm very excited to play this really um oh yeah so uh abnormal is very specifically a game about body horror in the way that you know body horror breaks down the lines between like what we understand about our body and the world around us and like the ways in which this kind of transformation into the horror can alienate ourselves from both ourselves and the people around us in ways that I think is really interesting. And I think is very true about the human animal transformations that happen in the sublime. Um, you know, we, uh, I mean, for the, uh, for the audience, like we just finished an arc with both you and Rose, two people who have gone through this transformation. Yeah. And, uh, Rose seemingly like only partially, like Rose is not even a fully transformed animal, uh, somewhere like kind of paused in the middle. Um, yeah. And like you and I have talked about like what 
like that is like and like the the kind of horror behind that and i'm and i'm really excited about us you know exploring the the moments in which these things are happening yeah i think uh i think in because in in that last arc we we got a lot of you know walter being very empathetic uh towards towards rose and i think this will give us a good chance to really get into you know why he why he sort of feels that level of of empathy yeah yeah no for sure and i and i especially think it'll give us a little bit of insight into maybe why Rose acts in the way that she does. Because um, yeah. I, I think one of the great bits of drama that comes out of that arc is like both your empathy for it, but also Dorothy's, uh, like not even like, not even like lack of empathy, just like the truly like not understanding Rose as an entity or like a person in like action, like have, having to deal with the fact that both Rose is a person and partially a monster quote unquote like however we want to you know frame what a monster is right at at what point does a person no longer a person in the eyes you know of society or another person i think is a lot of a lot of what i wanted to get into in that arc overall and i think that this game will help us expand on that a little bit more yeah i think that'll be good yeah so uh let's uh, let's talk about about this game before we get into more uh, of like trying to shape what the setting of this is going to be like and, and such. So this game has three roles. First role is the witness, that is the main character, a person slowly being consumed by a horrific force and whose grip on reality is likely unraveling. That is you, Walter. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is the horror. Uh, the horror begins with a single manifestation though will likely spread, develop new manifestations, and begin to overwhelm the witness. That shall be me. Uh, You've always been the horror in my mind, Kendo. Aw, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I try to live up to it. (laughs) Um, And then the third role is the support role. The support are people in the witness's life who will help them maintain a grip on reality. Um... And so with these three roles, uh, we are playing with two players. This is a game that can either be played uh, one player or uh, one to three players. Uh, With two players, the first player takes on the role of the witness. Uh, The second player takes on the role of the horror. And the two players share the support role, trading off on being the support player based on whatever makes sense at the time. Um, So we'll be able to, you know, kind of figure out, you know, who who is best to play, who... um, as you know as we get into the game sure uh moving on the next page setup Uh, at the start of the game the witness uh is holding their life together but a hint of an untenability exists there are two support characters in the witness's life but those relationships might be waning or problematic and into this milieu the horror enters with its first manifestation uh the witness player starts by picking two facets of the witness's life to describe uh, out of work life sex life which we probably won't do because walter is a minor yeah um home life and social life and then for each of the selected facets, you're going to choose two descriptors below that describe it and tell uh, and tell me about it um and then you know there's a list of things here that uh those facets could be it could be monotonous unprecedented satisfying strained 
rich, vulgar, esteemed, timid, or temporary. Um, and I imagine you can also, you know, come up with your own words, um, uh, ways to describe things if you would like. Yeah. Um, so w- w- would you, uh, would you agree that you could, you could, uh, that, that, that uh, in this case, Walter's work life is school. Yeah. It's his school life. Yeah. That, yeah. I would say that. I'm going to go with, so I, I picked, I picked two facets for it. Yeah. So you're going to, yeah. 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 You're correct. Uh, so for, uh, for his school life or his uh, work life, school life, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do monotonous, fair, and strained. Okay, and then what's the second one? Uh, I'm gonna go with his social life. Ooh, okay. And I think, mm, I think I want to do timid, timid, and unprecedented. Interesting. Okay. Um. Cool. Let's expand on this a little bit because I'm I'm interested in the the descriptors you chose. So let's start off with work and school life. I guess in general, um, this is a thing that like I have only like kind of thought about, and I'm and I'm really interested on your take on this. What do you think school life is like? What do you think the school day consists of at um, the Sublime School for Lost Children? You know, I I imagine there's uh there's a good a good chunk of it that is that is just normal school okay that is like you know that is that is math and uh other subjects <laughs> you know like you you know like, yeah like like english and math and english and uh, hist- uh, oh man what history. was history what is would there be history yeah what though? is history is history class like history of the sublime i don't know what that looks like hmm. maybe not uh but then yeah and then i was i was also gonna say that i think there would be a good chunk of it that is how to how to live in the sublime yeah you know how how to have a part in this world yeah part of the way that i was thinking about it is i i think there's a certain amount of schooling so we've already established that there are three schools or three classes um yeah. within the school so there's the brown class which are the people who don't fall into the rules or not you know not following the rules um so on and so forth and there is the blue class and the green class. The green class are the younger students, I believe I've said before, um, where they are the kids from uh, maybe like about Dakota's age, maybe a little younger, so like 14 and under, where they are young enough to still be like malleable and like figuring out what their role is. And then like once you get into blue class, you're essentially given the school becomes just like specialized training for whatever your role is going to be. I feel, uh, on top of, uh, you know, schooling, I think we're, we're seeing Walter at a time where he would still be young enough to be in the green class. Um, do you think that's true? Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think so. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, cause I know we've said that, uh, Walter was 15 when he entered the sublime. Or he's yeah. fifteen now. Uh, we're, we're, we've been very vague about like the age of Walter. Um, 
we have not established really how time works. Yeah, time time to me and the sublime can be a little tricky, I would imagine. Yeah. Um and so and you know, like I'm I'm okay with just kind of leaving it at yeah, that. Yeah, I yeah, I How does time work? It's tricky. Yeah, exactly. I don't think we have to be very specific about it. I think there's lots of things about the way that the sublime works that I am okay leaving as a question mark on the board where it's like, I'm not quite sure. And I don't think any answer we come up with, especially like right now off the cuff, is going to be very interesting as it's like not engaging with, you know anything that we're actively doing in the game. I think any answer that we come up with while we're playing that actively engages with whatever we're doing is going to be more interesting than us right now being like, uh, he's been here five years, but he hasn't aged because like, you know, (laughs) I I, I don't, I don't imagine it being terribly interesting in that way. Yeah. Um, so Walter is generically 15. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> was fifteen was fifteen when he entered. Not quite sure what he is right now. And so may, maybe the may, hmm. In that case, I mean, if he is fifteen, do you think he's in green class or blue class? Because he's very much on the cusp where he could be in either. Um, hmm. I think. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think he could have been in either. I think he could have. Yeah. I, I think what the difference here is going to be, and I, and I think the difference in general is that over the course of however many years someone is in green class, I think there is a long form assessment of a person's right. skills, um, their personality, so that those roles tend to be more refined for a person if that makes sense where it's like okay we've been watching you for a long time this is you while if you are old enough and you end up going to the school and you're like old enough for blue class they do a very quick assessment and it's like okay here's your role based on that um and i think that process might be like harder for for a lot of people to get through I think that's probably what happened. I think I think he sort of uh, fell into, you know, j- like just past the sort of cutoff. And they were like, oh, we can't spend a long time, you know, uh, uh, assessing this this kid. We got to we got to get him a role. We got to. Yeah. yeah, I like that. OK, cool. Um, so when you say that your school life is monotonous and strained. How do you imagine that? What what about it is monotonous and what about it is strained? I think monotonous comes from the fact that it is school. Fair. <laughs> Very fair. And he's never been like, he's never been the like really eager to learn type. You know, he, he's always been the the type to, you know, do the busy work and then and just just get out of there and just, you mm-hmm. know, do do his own thing. Yeah. Um strained i think comes from comes from that like the that subtle difference between you know school and in our world and school and the sublime Mm -hmm. where it is you know for the for the first time he's really being taught stuff that he can't really just vibe with you know that he can't just like get through yeah and be done with it yeah Yeah, I, I i think that's what it is is the aspect of like oh i'm like you're never done with this 
you know this 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 isn't something you do and and you're done this is like this is the rest of your life this is your life now yeah, yeah. interesting yeah what role do you think walter was assigned hmm well see I'm, I'm sort of wondering like what sort of roles would and wouldn't be part of the of the system. yeah so i mean honestly i think of the way that i think of roles and yeah I, we've been very again vague on like what does that mean and like you know um i i find yeah. them i think of them somewhere in between jobs and archetypes um okay. where kind of i guess peeling back the curtain a little bit here i think the way that the stranger like sees everyone does fall into certain character archetypes um yeah and so like they can be things where like you know dex was assigned to be you know you're the owner of the diner right um yeah teachers that are human and were like assigned to be teachers like i think we've talked about how marley was assigned to be a human i mean not a human (laughs) assigned to be a teacher (laughs) like you know you could be a teacher um but i also think that they're like this isn't something that has come up in an episode that we've talked about yet but i think comes up in the episode after this so i'm okay about talking about it um we've talked about like bikers I think biker might be a role that people right, have been put okay. into. Like, that's not a job, but like, they're like, yep, you're a biker. Learn how to ride a motorcycle, join a gang. <laughs> like, sure. um, I think it's kind of, I, I, I think it is as arbitrary as like whatever the, the, the stranger kind of views as quote unquote valuable enough to have as a distinct archetype or job or role for someone to have can be it. And that can be anything from, you know, you know, you're going to be the town doctor to you're the fisherman that just sits at the lake all day. Right. Hmm. I think cause, cause, cause one thing I, one thing I think we've established both through the events of, uh, of strangers in the wood, but also the sort of uh, inherent, game mechanics of the animal in uh in uh in, in babes yeah. in the wood one one sort of thing that is established is like walter is walter's walter's intelligent walter's very yeah. smart uh i think he he you know he's he's definitely the he's definitely been the kid that like in his uh you know his his, his teachers on his like report card write like you know, he's not really applying himself. Like he, he's not really. <laughs> I was that kid. You know, reaching his, <laughs> reaching his full potential. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I think it would be something. Hmm. I might have a pitch that could be a little wild. Okay. All right. What do you got? What if Walter's role, assigned role, was principal? Ooh. I really do like because I thought of like I did think of like like a professor, uh, which like I don't know if there is higher education in the sublime. Bro, I have no idea, but there might be. <laughs> but there might be. But I do like principal a lot. I think that actually, I think that sort of fulfills the same uh, same kind of archetype. Right, and I think it kind of plays on the tension between yes. you and Albert. Oh, that's so good. 
Because, like, if that's the case, like, there's a certain amount of Albert grooming you for his job. And, like, I think the implications of, like, what what is it, like, having established, like, uh, Albert is an animal person distinct from a person turned into an animal. Yeah. Meaning that, like, to a certain degree, like, Albert is specifically made for this Mm -hmm. role. And for there to like the implications of yeah we made like the perfect person for this role but i don't want that perfect person i want like a real person Uh to be in that role like i think the implications of that is interesting yeah um and then also just like the way that it plays like i don't and i and i don't know i mean is that as specific as like the role is the principal of this the sublime school for lost children, or is it a different school? I don't know. Yeah. What do you think is more interesting? Mm. Like, cause, cause I, my, my initial thought is like, it would be interesting to have, you know, Albert basically training his replacement, mm-hmm. but like, I don't even know, like if he's the perfect principal, I don't even know if, if that would be, if that would even be a dynamic that would come up. Like if it would even be, yeah, I don't even know if it is that he is the perfect principal. He is someone who's made for this job, mm. so theoretically he should be. But, like, we've seen Albert. He's obviously not the perfect principal. Otherwise, true. there would be no one who fails. True, true, true. Um, ah, yeah. In that case, I kind of like that. I kind of like he's he's being trained, uh, or he has, he has been assigned to become the uh, the principal of the Sublime School for Lost Children. This is wild. This is wild. We haven't even played the game yet, and this is already wild. Okay, cool. Let's talk about your social life. Yeah. So you described it as timid and unprecedented. Expand on that, please. I will. I will. I I I think timid is kind of Walter is timid, like toward mm-hmm. uh and, and and I think this I think this is sort of how he was with his classmates in in uh, in the real world. E- even more so now, he's like you know he's in a new environment, surrounded by new people, and like moreover, like people that he doesn't understand people that are very different from Mm -hmm. from how people were in his world and he is not going to be extremely outgoing uh towards towards these people i think unprecedented comes both both from that both from like these are this is a completely different kind of of person he's around but also like i think people are are coming to him interesting i think oh like do people know that that's your role that you're supposed to that like you're being groomed to be the principal i don't think i don't think it's like you know i don't think it's like announced but it's not a secret either right like it's like you have special you have like your specialized classes that only you go to yeah like most people at least have like a a handful of people who with the same roles but it's like you get to go you get to go to the special class that principal albert personally teaches <laughs> yeah yeah that's pretty wild this is really interesting. I think this also paints a really interesting dynamic between not just like you and Albert, because like obviously, right? But like between you and the stranger. Yeah. Because I, I think there's like, we have very well established there to be some kind of like intellectual rivalry yeah. between 
you and the stranger but like even it seems like for this to be true that means even early on there's a certain amount of respect mm-hmm. right i mean i don't know if respect is the word here because i i truly don't know if we can frame any interaction or like any belief of another person that the stranger has as respect but like i feel like this is the closest we come right it, it it's it's uh it's acknowledgement it's it's he is yeah this person has a quality that is noteworthy absolutely that's really interesting uh and i don't so i don't yeah, think walter's like the only example of that happening i think like yeah no you know you you get you get other sort of qualities of people that that come into the sublime where the stranger is probably like oh that person's very uh you know very kind or that person's very right s- strong that person's like buff yeah. as hell whatever there definitely have to be like other specialized roles that very few people get yeah that in their very nature like imply a certain amount of acknowledgement yeah right like to get the role of the sheriff like right like you mm, are yeah, yeah, yeah. like like edward uh sorry edgar god <laughs> rest in peace edgar not rest in peace edgar ed, ed wait ed. <laughs> see this is my fault <laughs> rest in peace hall monitor uh <laughs> who is edward got it yes edgar the sheriff but for but for edgar to like get the job of the sheriff like that's a specifically specialized like not like that is a position that has authority over other people in a world that is completely controlled by one person where like that person is being like yes you can also have authority in this world um and i think the principle is another one of those positions especially the principal of this school that's like in charge of uh brainwashing kids or like there's no easy way there's like no like sugar curling it right yeah. it, it is it is a school to brainwash uh young minds into being complacent and living in a world that uh they are being forced to do what uh, a fascist leader tells them to do yeah so yeah yeah, I think that's really interesting. And so, like, unprecedented, when you were saying that people were coming up to you, do you think it's because of that? Or just, like, in general, pe- the people interacted with Walter strangely? I think that... I, I I think there's a little of both. I think, like, some people... I, I, I think there's a, there's a good chunk of people that are, like, of those who know that Walter is being trained for this role, there, there's a, there's a group of them that, that kind of think, like, oh, maybe I should, maybe I should be on this guy's good side. Maybe I should uh, talk to this guy, see what's up. I also think that there is, like, and this is just something that I've sort of uh, noticed playing uh, Strangers in the Wood, there is a sort of there's a there's a sort of inherent uh friendliness that permeates the sublime uh i i i get the feeling that in many cases it is quite manufactured but you know in other cases not but i think because of that yeah yeah i think i think there i think like some people like go up to walter and just be like hi i'm so and so want to be friends yeah i could totally see that especially like if you're like in the blue class and like some people might just have that role right of like being the friendly person being the being the person who goes around like being the ned flanders of wherever (laughs) they are like being the like how diddly like how are you today like that might be their role um 
which is interesting to 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 think about. So yeah, I I could totally see that. Awesome. We spent a lot of time on this, but yeah. that's fine. I think this is I think this is interesting. Yeah, uh, interesting stuff. Um. So next thing on here is to name your character. We already know the name of your character. Walter. Walter. It says describe them briefly. Do you want to describe what human Walter looks like? We have an image of what. Yeah, we do. We'll probably release it the same day that this episode comes out. Um, do you do you want to? Can you describe them for me? Yeah, I have actually scrolled back uh, in in our private messages to see what I sent you uh, yeah. for for this. Uh, he's a little on the short side, and I, I would give an exact height, but I'm gonna be honest, don't know how tall teenagers are. Don't, like, have no idea. Like, what is short for a 15-year-old? No idea. I have no idea. Absolutely no idea. He has, uh, reddish-brown hair that he does not, does not take care of. It is, it is all, all, all messy and, and whatnot. Uh, mm-hmm. I've written down round face, round glasses, <laughs> which is, which is great. Uh, mm-hmm. he is, uh, he is typically just always slouching. In fact, you know, maybe he's not even short. Maybe he's, maybe he's average He's just got bad posture. And just has bad posture, like, all the time. He just needs to stand up a little. Yeah, just needs to stand up a little. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I wrote that he's usually wearing a jean jacket, but... He's probably not because he's probably wearing a school uniform. That's fair. And that's 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 Walter. That's Walter. Uh, you all will be able to see an image of Walter on our Twitter. Uh, yeah, go ahead and follow at Tales Yet Told. Uh, we'll probably also release it on the uh, Instagram. That's also Tales Yet Told. Uh, go follow those. Just a quick plug. Yeah. Um, awesome. Cool. Um, so next we have the support characters. So you're going to get two of these. If, uh, it says the support player. We're kind of splitting up these roles. So, like, you can create one and I can create one. Or do you want to create both of them? I think it would be cool for, for each each of us to create one. Okay, cool. So, uh, for each of these support characters, uh, we're going to choose two of the descriptors from below and describe them or their relationship to the witness. Uh, so, the, the descriptors we have are quiet, tired, X which I think is funny. Yeah. Also, gorgeous, um, unseeing, domineering, sympathetic, needy, strong, frenetic, kind, and connected. All of these are really interesting. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we can... Uh, so, mechanically, the way that these are going to work, and we'll get into that a little bit more later, but essentially, these are going to be characters that help you deal with your oncoming the the oncoming horror right the tra- they like help ground you back into reality back into the things that you care about back into um you know being present uh with your body and like kind of understanding it um but they are also at risk of being um tainted by the horror uh through being in contact with you and trying to do that mm-hmm. uh, so these are people that at one point or another, you may either actively call on them for help or they may notice you need help and then like come to you to help. Um, but in doing so, they are putting themselves at risk of being corrupted by your presence and yeah. by the horror, more specifically by the horror's presence within you. Okay. Okay. Cool. Um, uh, do you want to go first? I, t- I don't have an idea yet because <laughs> uh, my first my so 
to say my, my first idea was actually I was gonna do the bus driver, but I, I think we've seen her to yeah. to a degree where it's like if she gets corrupted, I don't know what that looks like. Like I don't know how to portray her in a way that is quote unquote uncorrupted for that if we if she does get corrupted, the way we see her is the corrupted yeah. version of that. Like, yeah, I don't know what that looks like. So I, I and I'm and I think I'm more interested in creating new things here. Yeah. I I almost think because mm-hmm. I, I mean and and i don't know i don't know how much this lines up with sort of how, how how we've established uh that this transformation works yeah but like ability to be corrupted by it you know i mean we've been hanging out with marley a, a bunch and like you know dorothy and dakota haven't started to turn uh yet well okay uh <laughs> the, the 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 way the way in which they are vulnerable is by like being open with you and like kind of like your openness in return kind of corrupting them in a way and in the way that i'm imagining it at least the way that this transformation and the sublime works i think part of it is a very physical thing right because there is the physical transformation and through what method it is incited i i think is still a little vague i have some ideas um but I think a lot of it is also mental in the way in which one interacts with the sublime. Because like how we've kind of talked about like people who end up at the brown class end up going through this transformation. Um, yeah. And I, and, I, and I don't think it's like a, I, I truly don't think it's like a, hey, you're in the brown class, here's a shot. And they like inject you with, you know, a virus that like turns you into an animal. I think there's something very like, baked into how the sublime works and maybe even the school that like the moment you are assigned being in the brown class it is it has happened right right um and a part of that is like i mean you may be assigned to the brown class and not even know it yet right where it's like you're already going down that rabbit hole and like principal albert needs to have a talk with you but it's it's already happened right and so um and a lot of that goes with you know the way you act the way you think the way that you interact with people um all of that is going to be taken into account um by the powers that be that are watching um and so i i think a part of that might be like if you interact with people and then they start going down the same route that you're going down you know that might be the thing that corrupts them yeah i was i was yeah that's that's sort of what i was kind of going to bring up is like part of the way that uh other people can be corrupted is by oh i'm associating with someone who is going against the intent of the sublime you know and and you know almost by doing that you are inherently kind of going down that path as well yeah i, I think i think that's kind of what it is yeah Cool. And to be and to be clear, I also don't think that the Sublime School for Lost Children is the only way in which this happens. I think people right. who don't go to this school, like even adults, I think can end up finding themselves slowly transformed into animals through what methods? I'm I, I haven't you know I, I I don't know, but I do know that it is a thing. So this isn't like you know the only way. Cool. So creating these support characters. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm thinking. I, I I have a I have a suspicion that the one that you're gonna make is gonna be a, another student. Yeah, 
I was yeah. I was thinking that would be I was, I was thinking at least one of them should be a student. Yeah, I agree with that. And I'm trying to decide if they should both be students or if one of them should not be a student. And then if and if in that case, like who are they? <laughs> it could be interesting to you know we we have these uh, we have these descriptors here. It could be interesting to like you know very very intentionally create two students who are oh yeah in, in these. I think I like that. I think the only other thing that I could think of that could be interesting is like another staff member, but like, eh, I don't know about that. Uh, the other one I was going to say is maybe because was Walter assigned a home and a family or is it or do you think that if you come old enough, they're like, eh, just live in the dorms until you. You know, there's a certain part element of like, we're not going to assign you a family for like for for the short amount of time it's going to take you to to come into your role. I agree. So maybe it is just two students cuz I think a faculty member might be interesting, but I'm not yeah. sure. Like it can't be Albert. I feel like it can't I mean, be Albert. Yeah, there's no way Albert isn't offering support in this way. Like Yeah. If Albert does not care if the horror overtakes you or not. I also, uh, depending on who they are, like, I don't know how corruptible a staff member would actually be. Yeah. I mean, because it could be like they are a person that, you know, they, yeah. they it could be a Marley situation where it's like they're a person who were assigned to be a teacher, genuinely does care about the students and wants them to find a role within the sublime, but like, and like sees you struggling. I think that's yeah. a, a valid thing that could happen. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to pull up a name generator here. Yeah. Um I'm trying I'm I'm still trying to think if that's like something that is worth. Like is that something we want to explore? Like a real person as a faculty member? I feel like we haven't really dealt with any real people who are doing their roles, you know? Yeah. Like we've met I mean other than other than Edward and Edgar, like we've met them, they do their roles, but yeah, um, but I mean, but outside of that, like those are the only two people out of all of the characters that we've interacted with. No, Dex also. Never mind. <laughs> I, <laughs> never mind on what I said. Forget what I said. <laughs> Wrong. Um, but I, I still think it's a, it's possibly an interesting avenue for us to go down and look into. <sighs> I'm uh, I'm doing the name generator here. Sure. Randomization. Bam. Any good names on here? Gabe Williamson. Bryn Parker. Morgan Collins. Shay Chase. Bryn Simmons. Tanner Tanner. <laughs> <laughs> does it actually say Tanner Tanner? Yes, it does. Tanner That's really Tanner. Funny. Uh, Kai Stanley. Marley Ryan. Blake McCarthy. Um... Cameron I books. also I, I did just have this thought mm -hmm. and like you know may, maybe depending on how it goes it could explain this but like if if Walter had a like support system at this school that was a staff member I I feel like that might have been someone he would he would have like looked for while he was like in the school yeah cool so yeah. So would you? Okay. I'm. 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 I, I like that idea. 
So we can do one student and then one staff member. Well, I'm see. I'm the the problem with that is I'm saying like uh, it, during strangers in the wood. Well, uh, oh, I get you. If there was while they were there, yeah. If there was someone that he like trusted, and I don't I don't know if he yeah. necessarily needs to trust the the yeah uh, person, but like you know, it kind of feels like he he might have he might have uh, looked out for them. Yeah, yeah. And and we and we don't want to go into it being like, well, that's a person that gets corrupted that we already know is off the table, <laughs> right? Yeah, um, yeah. I, I see what you're saying. What if it's Miss Jackson? Huh? No, she's already a parrot person. Yeah, 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 yeah. Shoot, darn. I think it's got to be two fellow students. Yeah, I can't. I can't think of what else it could be that would that make sense. Yeah, how did? How did you end up at the school? Did Edgar bring you here? I don't think we established that, but I do like that because it, it gives... We've established that Edgar took you from place to place to place after like continually like running into you, messing up stuff. Yeah. So I think it's probable that he brought you here. Yeah, I, I, I think I like that. I think I like... Because it... Yeah, we, we, we had established that they had a previous report... Uh, I, I think both like before and after Walter's weaselification, they've had some run-ins, you know. Yeah. Some. Uh... What if Edgar is one of them? Because I know we haven't mm. seen, we haven't quote unquote seen him corrupted. But in the case that he does get corrupted, I already know what I would do for that. Okay. Um, yeah. And it would change nothing. Okay. Yeah, I love it. Okay. I yeah, I kind of like that. I like Edgar being one of them. That's really good, yeah. What tags are we going to use for him? <laughs> um, gorgeous and... Gorgeous. No, I, I, no, no. Uh, um, kind? Kind? I would give him kind and connected. Mm, okay. Maybe tired. Actually, I'm going to give kind and tired. I kind of like tired, Tired yeah. is really good. Okay. We just need one more. Can, I, I assume this one's just a student, so you can just kind of make him up. Yeah. Give me a name. Give me a good name. Uh, male, female, or neutral? Uh, I don't care. I don't think we've had a lot of young um, male characters. You are the only young male character we've actually ever dealt with. So let's do... Yeah, okay. Um, Elliot Rose, Finley Ellis, Charlie Baker, Lucas Jordan, Oscar Bennett, Jason McKinney, Valentin Cal- Calderon... <laughs> Jeez, that's a fancy-ass name. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, Alvaro Gomez. Alvaro Gomez. Dustin Finch. Marshall Sloan. Thomas Dixon. Joshua Riley. Harrison Hill. Lucas Cook. Uh, Davin... Kind of like, Har- like Harrison Hill. Harrison Hill is pretty good. I like that. It's pretty good. Yeah. Um, what descriptors do you want to give him? I think... Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be these. You can come up with your own as well. Yeah. Okay. Because I, I, I... here, Here's what I'm thinking for, for Harrison. And I, I don't know if this is, like, something that we do in the game or, or like, now. But I think, like... I, I, I think Harrison Hill is, 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 is Walter's friend. Yeah. I think, it, I think he is a friend yeah. that, that Walter makes at this school. Yeah. We can establish that now cuz you we're supposed yeah. to establish a relationship with them, so. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cool. 
I think he is unseeing. Interesting. What does unseeing mean to you? I think in this case, it means like when Walter is like struggling and is and is like, you know, going through this, he doesn't necessarily notice. Interesting. Unless it's like really obvious. Unless it's like... So he's kind of oblivious. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a little oblivious. Yeah. Okay. I like that a lot. Uh... You know what? I want to give I want to give him frenetic. Frenetic. What does that mean to you in this way? I think he's I think he's a uh, I think he's just very energetic. Very. Uh, gotcha. He's the he's the <laughs> he's the kind of like really energetic but kind of dumb friend. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Got it. I like that. Really hyped to do everything, but doesn't see how much of a problem they yeah. are. Yeah. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. So we finally got through that. Only took us like 20 minutes. <laughs> totally fine. Uh, this might totally just get fine. split up into two episodes, which is also fine. Yeah. Um, so the first manifestation. The horror player now creates an initial manifestation for the horror. They do this by choosing two of the descriptors below. Don't describe the manifestation just yet. That'll happen when it first emerges in the second scene of the game. For now, awesome. just choose its descriptors and begin brainstorming on what that means. Uh, while body horror frequently features manifestations that occur within the body of the witness, this need not be the case with each manifestation you introduce over the course of the game. Consider some shadowy external phenomena. Hmm. So uh, for the listeners, uh, my choices here for descriptors are metallic, meaty, voiced, Puckered, attuned, non-spatial, shadowy, secreted, gummy, religious. Wait, that's secreted. Oh, sorry, secreted. That makes more sense. Um, <laughs> secreted, gummy, religious, hungry, beautiful, writhing, spiny, liminal, and bloody. I'm trying to figure out what is the most interesting. Yeah, like what is the transfer? Like what's the first step of this transformation for Walter? I feel like it's a little different for everyone. If you can if you can work the religious tag in there, I would be so fascinated. Yeah, I don't Yeah, right? Like what is that? <laughs> I don't I wanted, whoa. Uh, Okay. Hmm, now that you say that, now I'm really interested in finding a way to make that work. There's no you. There's no. There's no way you could get that to work. I cannot. I don't know, man. He's turning into a weasel. Let me Google famous biblical weasels. Oh, <laughs> hey, and nothing. Nothing came up. I think. Well, so here's the thing. The again, the transformation isn't always physical, right? Sometimes it's like. Right. Have you seen true. Videodrome? No. So like one of that is like I. That's that's one of the. Uh, Things that, uh, on the like first page of the game, it says like fil- yeah. it has a filmography section. Yeah, I recently I watched it not terribly long ago, kind of in preparation of this game. And there are there's a lot of non physical parts of the transfer of the horror manifesting for the main character, mm-hmm. where it's like a lot of it's like the television being real weird and like showing images right. of stuff. Like that's like non physical. Like it, in like for this, like this would probably be um voiced and maybe i don't know metallic because it you know deals in 
sure that um but i could also i could also see it being religious in a way where it's like because it is focused on this fetishization of this image that he has about a specific thing his obsession with a specific thing like in this case i don't necessarily see religious as necessarily specifically dealing with like one's religion or one's faith but maybe more so in the obsession of iconography you know um yeah and that and you know that may not necessarily be in the in the original intent of this game but i I think for this like i i think a lot of this game is like you know we have very limited descriptors here so like what in whatever way we decide to interpret some things is gonna you know be more interesting than just doing it by letter of whatever the fuck it is you know right um and so I, i think religious being having to deal with fetishized iconography um sure um like what one may consider like dogma or like um like ritualistic practice might be religious yeah Yeah. and in that case i think i might be able to find a way to deal with religious as being the first manifested actually you know what i think i have the perfect thing for that i'm going to do you, do you want me to tell you what two descriptors I'm going to choose? And just, we'll, of course, describe the manifestation later, but, like, let you know what two things I'm choosing? Uh, no. I want you to describe the manifestation and, the, and like, after... Going through it. Like, maybe maybe after the scene. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, hold on, I'm going to write it down for myself. Awesome. Uh, I have made my choices. Um... For card placement and stuff, you see all of that's already on the table. So we ain't got to deal with that, my good friend. Um, Right on. So you'll see uh, in the roll 20, there are four cards here from stage one to stage four. There are also seven tokens on here. Um, And so um, I'm... So yeah, place the two remaining cards face up. uh, One of our eight... Oh, wait. Are there eight tokens here or seven? One, two, three, four, five, six, uh, seven, eight. eight. Okay, perfect. <clears throat> um, and place it a uh, zero spot on the fragments reclaimed rack. Okay, that's exactly what I did. So this game is structured like this. Uh, it's going to alternate turns uh, between the witness turns uh, in which the witness tries to keep their life together and the horror turns in which the horror tries to extend its reach. Most turns involve a short scene being played out. The horror is going to evolve over four stages. Awaken, spread, overwhelm, and normalize. And as it evolves, fragments are going to build up on each of the four stage cards. There are two end game triggers that cause the horror, me, to win. The first is being utterly consumed. That's when I have seven fragments upon the card. So as soon as I get seven fragments on any on the cards overall, I win. And that means you're utterly consumed by the horror. The other way is if I get two fragments on the normalized stage card, then you are permanently entwined with the horror. And the witness may be able to stave off the horror and reclaim their life by slowly realizing the underlying causes and points of infection that the horror has latched onto. This is represented by a third possible endgame, which is life reclaimed. That is when you have reclaimed four of the fragments. Uh, so essentially, uh, to kind of very quickly summarize what happens on my turn, uh, at the start of my turn, I'm going to roll a four-sided die. 
if the die is uh, matches one of the already unlocked stages, so let's say I have one unlocked, if I roll the four set of die and it hits a one, I add a fragment to that card and then I follow the instructions on the card and frame a scene. If the die face matches the next stage, so if I have one unlocked and I roll a two, stage two is now unlocked. The player turns the card face up, I put a fragment on it and we follow the instructions, so on and so forth. Uh, if a card already has three fragments on it, so let's say, you know, I rolled two, two more times after that, and now it has uh, three cards, uh, three fragments on it, and then I roll it a fourth time, and I also get two, instead of putting another, instead of putting another fragment on it, I instead unlock the next stage uh, in the sequence. So I would unlock stage three. And if the stage doesn't match any stage, uh, if I have one and two unlocked and I roll a four, then I, I still unlock the next stage, but I don't put any fragments on it. And I don't, and I also don't get a scene. And so my turn is over. Um, so I will be unlocking stages probably very quickly, um, but chances are I will be doing a lot of scenes that are in earlier stages. Um, Right. Or like even like I may have like stages one, two and three unlocked, but I keep rolling like a one or a two. So I'm doing those scenes rather than a, a stage three scene, if that makes sense. Yeah. Reading just straight from the book here. There's a concept of play that is important to grasp for the game called bleed, where bleed refers to moments where the players begin to sincerely feel emotions for their character moments, for their character moments when thoughts and feelings bleed between two entities. And I mention it here in order to say normalized scenes will likely erode the bleed that has been established between a player and a character. And this is by design. I don't know if that's going to happen for us because we've already played Walter and, uh, and and this is yeah. also going to be a thing that you and I are going to talk about of what these end games necessarily mean, because we know yeah. that Walter transforms. And so I think the yeah. horror here is partially the transformation, but it might be something else. And that's something that we can talk about, because the ending of this game will change very little about everything that has already happened. Everything is like we are not yeah. retconning some... I mean, we might be, but in a in a way that I will explain. Um, everything will continue to make sense. We're not changing anything fundamentally about who Walter is as a person, I don't think. Yeah. And so uh, let's talk about these three end games. Um, there is Utterly Consumed. Uh, that's when I get seven uh, fragments of the cards, uh, possibly less, depending on um, what... You know, if you have any infected people, uh, if we get that one together, we're going to frame and narrate a scene where the witness is wholly and utterly consumed by the horror. This might ha involve permanent dissociation, physical digestion, demonic possession, or something equally catastrophic. Permanently entwined, if I get two fragments on the normalized card, you and the horror become permanently entwined and the end game is triggered. Uh, together, we're going to frame and narrate a scene about how the horror has integrated itself into the witness's life and body and remains there permanently. And this might involve begrudging symbiosis, oblivious par uh, parasitism, par parasitism, parasitism, I believe. Um, yeah. Parasitism. Uh, a fusing of two transdimensional entities or something equally strange. And then life reclaimed is, um, you know, you get your life back. The horror is... 
somehow removed from you and you are allowed to progress as normal. And so I I think the implications of these are are interesting, especially because we know part of this horror is that you will be transforming into a weasel. Like we know that. And we also know by the end of this, you do turn into a weasel. That is at this point not negotiable. That's, Um, yeah. And so the, so I, I'll give you my thoughts on what I think the three of these mean. And uh, you can give me feedback and we can kind of workshop this. And this kind of goes back to a previous discussion that you and I have had that goes into one of Walter's fears about if this change, like this change being permanent, right? Yeah. So I think right. what this means is utterly consumed means this transformation is not done for Walter. Like, yeah, you're a weasel, okay. but it can get worse. Like, you're still technically yeah. a person and have human thoughts right now. Those can go too. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the broader implications of that there are definitely people who have been utterly consumed, which also means a lot of the animals in this world were probably people at some point, uh, which is yep. like, yeah, I mean, is a thing that I have already thought of, like is a thing that I have already considered like the reality of this world. Yeah. Uh, permanently entwined. I think, I think for us, that means it's done. The transformation is done. You know, you've become a weasel. It's not going to get worse. But I also think it means it can't get better. I think this means that whatever our end game for Strangers in the Wood is, there is no coming back for Walter. Walter is a weasel and nothing will ever change that. Um, Like without like, you know, some hugely like uh, world changing thing. And like reclaimed, I think that means... The transformation is done, but there is still a chance for Walter to return as a as a human. How do you feel about that? I like it. Okay. I like it. It it, it is uh, uh it's a good uh in, it's it is an incentive for me to <laughs> want life reclaimed. Yeah. Or you know, I mean, you know, if if, I, if I'm like going for a certain uh, ending for for Walter, you know, like it's an incentive to want to work towards that ending. You know what? That's totally fair. I, I do you have you don't have to tell me because I I don't um yeah you you don't have to tell me, but do you have an idea of what your idealized end for Walter is? I'll I'll tell you that it is one of these three things. Like. <laughs> It, it is, it is, my, my ideal ending for Walter is not what would happen with Utterly Consumed. Understandable. Okay. I understand. Yeah. I think other than that, you know, do you have any questions? I don't think so. Okay. We open the game with the witness player framing a scene that takes place before the first manifestation reveals itself. Let this quick scene provide a glimpse at the witness's regular life prior to the invading presence of the horror. After the first scene is concluded, the horror player unlocks the first stage, Awaken, and places a fragment upon it. They follow the instructions on that card, framing a scene where the witness encounters the first manifestation while attempting to go about their life. The scene should reveal the witness's initial reaction is it disbelief, morbid curiosity, disgusted panic? Once these two scenes are completed, we're going to alternate between horror turns and witness turns, starting with the horror, until one of the three in-game conditions has been met. So, Gus. Yes. 
what is the scene that you think will kind of place us in the tone of what is Walter's life before the beginning of the transformation? Something that leads into it. I think maybe the 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 sort of moment we should explore here is because he was in he's he's been in this uh, you know he's been in the blue class mm-hmm. and we know that he is is going to be put in the brown class yeah um, and I I think maybe the moment that we explore is maybe like what was the last straw ooh okay I like that um and what would it have been is it something you do in class is it something you do outside of class i think it's something i think it's in class um i think something that's interesting that we've kind of subtly established about walter or at least walter's past is that walter's kind of an was at least at some point kind of an asshole yeah 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 and i don't know if that's something that happens before the turn is that i mean i guess that's something we're going to explore right but like yeah no i Sorry. I think I think he's I think he's always been a little bit of an asshole. Like <laughs> that's uh that's that's that that did not come from from uh from turning into a weasel. Gotcha. So maybe this happens in his one-on-ones with uh with with Albert. Oh, okay. Maybe that's maybe that's where this happens. Okay. I like that. So what um okay, so yeah, let's just frame what what do you think is just something that you would be learning in this specialized class on what it means to be the principal and like the kind of role, like things that you would need to know and understand in order to get that role. Yeah. Uh huh. Well, that's tough. Cause I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it could be administrative stuff. It could be dealing with students. It could be in general, like, just like, you know. I I think it's I think it's dealing with students. Okay, I like that. I th- I think that yeah, and I think Walter is is like you know he's 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 always been a little rebellious, mm-hmm. and I think he is now being taught one on one how to you know control rebellious children. I like that. Okay, and. I think that yeah, I think that doesn't sit right with him. Mm-hmm. What about it doesn't sit right with him? I mean, I I, I think like you know he he he's always been for for however long he has been in 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 school at this point he has been you know unsettled by the idea of like you're given a role and you have to you have to do the role. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think maybe this is like the moment where it all sort of clicks and he's like and he's like wait this is like like no this isn't we shouldn't be like forcing these these kids to take on the roles in society that we assign them do you are you interested in playing these like these short scenes out to like get a sense of Um, the tone of them or do you or do you just want us to kind of do them in broad summary Either is fine with me. I think we can, we can stick with pretty pretty broad. Just because, like, I I feel like, well, I don't know, like, <clears throat> because I feel like Walter just like disagreeing with the teachings wouldn't earn him like, okay, you're you're brown class now. Yeah, I think he like, I think I you know I I mean honestly I think they're in the middle of this like of of like kind of arguing about it, mm-hmm. 
and Walter just like goes like fuck you and like fuck all of this mm-hmm. straight straight to Albert's face like just says it okay I like that a lot and yeah and I think that's what I think that's what does it okay I think that's the turning point what a great what a great first scene lots to work with okay mm-hmm. cool so I think for my first scene in the man the manifestation of the first bit of this horror walter you are at lunch later that day uh you have you know blown off albert um you know said fuck you to him left just happened to be like around the time you know that classes were ending anyway and so like you just like like fuck you you went straight to lunch um yeah at lunch you meet up uh with your friend harrison the two of you are in line uh to get um you know to get food you go on you know down the lunch line it's a pretty i'm imagining that the 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 lunchroom in the school is pretty standard it has the very typical sublime aesthetic of like vines and uh natural like flowers and flora and like shrubs like lining the walls uh and such and like I- i'm imagining like the tables like aren't just like you know kind of cheap fake wood and like metal it's like real hard oak wood uh growing sure. out of the ground um and like all of like the you know lunch benches and stuff like all natural stuff that is seemingly like growing out of this place and uh the two of you are in line you grab your trays you're going down the line uh the uh lunch workers are like putting putting food down what what do you think food is like here hmm uh-huh i mean i i, I don't I, i'm i'm picturing the kind of generic like school lunch like stuff mashed potatoes like, peas kind yeah of deal. but but not like gross mm-hmm. just like you know kind of kind of kind of kind of bland maybe but like you know it's it's not disgusting yeah as you are going down this line you know you go to the first person uh they pour in some corn uh, you go to the next person, you know, they give you, like, some green beans. Uh, the next person, you know, mashed potatoes. And then you get to the person who's supposed to give you protein. And you're just, like, walking down the line with your tray and stand there and wait. And, like, there's this long pause where, like, they don't put anything down. I don't know. Are you, like, looking up at them as you're going down? Or are you, like, looking at your tray, like, just talking with Harrison? Or Yeah, I think he's looking at his tray and kind of talking with Harrison yeah, and not really paying much mind to anything that's going on until something different happens. Yeah. And I think that thing that's different is like, there's a long wait. There's a long pause where there's there's normally like the sound of like slapping of something like onto your plate, but that doesn't happen. When, when that happens, when he like notices that after however long it would take to, to really notice that, I think, I think he looks up then. When you look up to see this person, it is not any of the lunch people you have seen before. In fact, it is not any person you have seen before. You can, there's a degree to which you are not even sure if this is a person. Standing like in the space of where a lunch person should be is this large, 
shadowy figure, maybe about six, seven feet tall, like towering over you and like everyone around you. And it is this like empty space where you can't see through this darkness. You can't see through this void. It's like literally there is something missing in the space in front of you. And uh, it's a little shocking at first. Like, it's like, wait, like, there's like probably like a moment where you have to be like, what? Like, where you have to try to adjust your eyes to be like, okay, what is it I'm seeing? You Have you ever seen those videos of like Vanta Black, you know? Yeah. It's very much like that. And you're kind of staring into it as you're like, kind of like trying to get a sense of what this is. It opens like this void opens in such a way like within the nothing an eye opens this large white glossy eye opens and looks at you and then a couple of more eyes open and all like around this like void and like not like all of them like directionally facing at you as if that this empty space takes up 3d space and like the eyes are around it and like from the positions that they're in like kind of move in the way to like side eye you in a way where all of the eyes are looking at you Mm. what is walter's reaction i think i think he drops his tray Mm -hmm. and i think he he like he like steps back and and in a panic and doesn't look away but can't look away almost he just like backs backs away and and keeps backing until he you know runs into something i guess yeah i think like as you like drop it and like like just like slowly back away you you think you hear Harrison calling you, but like sound feels muffled where it's like, you're so incredibly focused. Like you almost were put immediately into fight or fight um, or fight or flight, whatever Uh, your adrenaline starts pumping. There's something about seeing this entity that is deeply troubling. And at the same time, like, awesome in the like traditional sense of awesome where it is right full of awe or i guess that would be awful but you, you get what i'm saying where it's like yeah. this is a tremendously affecting experience but i'm I, I don't know if walter knows what to make of it other than that it's incredibly impactful and terrifying yeah. in some way um yeah i think eventually you back into i think you back into principal albert who like came into the lunchroom to like see if he can find you and has like been calling you, but like you don't hear him because you're just so focused yeah. in on this thing and you like back into him. Uh, and like, I think that snaps you out of it and you like turn to look at you and he's yeah. like, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Brookstone, you and I need to have a word in my office. I think, I think Walter doesn't even say anything. I think like, I think he just nods. Okay. I think that's a good place to end that scene. Uh, Just so you know, the first manifestation I chose was religious and shadowy. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it is. (laughs) Awesome.
Be gay. Roll dice. An LGBTQIA actual play podcast network.